How are you today? Well, it is a good day. I'm glad you're here at Vineyard. If you're joining us online, welcome as we continue our series on achieving relational sanity. Uh, we started last week about uh, dealing with button pushers, and that certainly can be a challenge. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about uh, having religious sanity. You know, when you become a Christ follower, you step into a world of, of uh, a lot of religious terms, behaviors, and if you were not careful, we find ourselves kind of becoming uh, so different and odd, people have a hard time relating to us. That's part of the reason why our vision is to help people to know God our vehicle to help that happen is to invite people here at church, but it only really helps if we can relate, if people can relate to us. If they come in and they're like, who are these people? What in the world is going on? So we like to have an inviting culture, which means we have a place where people can relate to us and to investigate the claims of Christ, and we eliminate or at least reduce inside language. You know, there's a lot of um, religious cliches. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of that. If you've been a believer for a while, you might, you might not even be aware of it because we kind of like just get swept up into it. There's more than I can list, but I wanted to put a few down so we could just look at it. We're all on the same page that way. Here they are. So here's, this is to help. If you're, if you're new with us and you're not churched, this will help you. Okay, I'm, uh, you know, you'll start, I'll start dialing in. If you are somebody who's caught up in this, this will help you as well. Maybe you can, if you're, if you, if you're aware that the person you're working with is, is not really a churched person, you can use a different term. So blessed, what does that really mean? It just means I'm happy, you know, but the cliche is I'm blessed, baby. Okay, you, are, I'm happy. Uh, I was born again. Uh, I was given a fresh start. I was saved. My life changed at that moment. Jesus is my Lord. I will put Jesus in the driver's seat. That's what that means. I repented. This means I changed my mind. All are sinners. It means I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I felt convicted. I realized the Holy Ghost, that's God's presence, okay? I love the Holy Ghost, but, you know, other than Halloween, that's a kind of a creepy term maybe for people. I just praise the Lord for it. It means I'm thankful. I am so blessed. God's helping me through this life now. Hallelujah. I'm happy right now. That's what that means. Some of you are going, wow, I had no idea. The Lord laid it on my heart. I'm trying to figure out what God has for my life and his leading. And then a, a real popular one, amen, which just means, do you believe that? You know, do you agree? Of course, in a prayer, it means I'm done. <laughs> so just being more aware, more aware of, of, uh, of you almost need a, a Bible app, you know, for people that have not been part of a church. And more and more in this society, there's a lot of people that their first time in our church is their first time in church. They were not raised with any of this lingo, any of the behavior. And it really can be maddening. It's almost like a code, like an unwritten code. When I was, uh, I came to Christ when I was 18, immediately went to, to college, and, but I wasn't redeemed, wasn't going to church. I, but I had asked Christ into my life, and my sophomore year, I was 
living with a girl and uh and somebody a, a, who i knew was a christian he, he came up to me and he goes he goes it's better to marry than to burn <laughs> now i did not know what he was talking about but it didn't sound good i was thinking hmm that's it's an odd thing to say to me. So it took me a while because I didn't know the Bible. didn't know people. I really knew very few people could answer that for me. But I eventually found the answer that what that meant was if you struggle with sexual purity and tempt, sexual temptation, sometimes it's better just to say, hey, maybe I should get married. He could have just said that. That would have made a lot more sense. But we get caught up in these, um, these, this language that becomes kind of it's weird. It's a weird language to the world. Not only weird language, but weird behavior. Now listen, what I've discovered, I've been a Christian for a while now. I've discovered that if you're a weirdo before you come to Christ, you're probably still a weirdo. You just, have, you just use language to it. I mean, just because you come to Christ, God doesn't automatically like cap your teeth and, and stop you from passing gas and all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, you, there's, there's, there's some stuff that kind of like just kind of comes with, you know, us. And then people think, oh, that's what it means to be a Christian. Not necessarily. Now, listen, if we're going to achieve relational sanity in our relationships, we need to peel away some of the things that, uh, that sometimes cloud the subject so that we can do our part in bringing the sanity to our relationships. Because we all play a part. We all play a part. Now, I do have some lists. And uh, so that, that, I mean, there could be some problems with compulsive list making that you could say, hey, Andy, you've got a problem. And, and so today would be the day to, that I'm accused of that. And it would probably be true. But let's look at, look at toxic forms of faith. Tox, one is this religious, a compulsive religious words or activity. And so we just looked at some of that, right? The Christian, Christianese lexicon is what I like to call that. Where, you know, what in the world are you talking about? But often what this really comes into is, is people have this idea that they, they, they uh, need to kind of behave a certain way for God to love them, for them to be accepted. And so they get swept up into it because they feel bad. They don't know how to resolve that. And then sometimes we end up making other people feel bad. Sometimes it's unintentionally. We're not even aware that we're doing it. But, so, but this can be toxic. There's churchaholics that whenever the church is open, we want you to be, we want you to be involved. But we actually believe that that a good healthy balance is like two times a week. So that's kind of how we program what we do. That's why when we have first Wednesday that's coming up this week, we say small groups don't meet. We don't want you out three times. In a, in a week. Sunday's one and then one other time. That's a healthy, manageable way to you know, still grow in your faith, but not just be consumed because there's religious addicts. We don't, want, we don't want to enable that in our church, this religious addiction where it's kind of like the, the earn or burn plan. That's not God's plan, but that's, some people are, are caught up in that. Then there's a, The next one is the opposite of that, which is laziness. In other words, I expect God to do everything for me. And so we really use God as an excuse 
Now, I believe in miracles, and there's nothing wrong with wanting a miracle, but there's a part that we play to say, hey, I, I, I want God's blessing in my life, so I'm going to do my part and not just blame everything on God. God didn't come through for me. Then there's the presumption on God, which can be toxic. Often this is referred to as like name it or claim it. And uh, we're expecting, we have these happy endings in our mind, and we presume God's got to do that and bless every happy ending in our mind. And he's got to put his stamp stamp of approval on us. But you know, if you look in the Bible, you see many people that are faithful, dedicated people in Scripture that did not end up with the happy ending that we think they should have or they thought they should have had, at least on this side of eternity. So that can be a toxic thing. Controlling others through Scripture. Pulling verses out of context. Sometimes people who have positions of leadership think they have the right to do this. I'm going to control you and manipulate you and shame you through Scripture to try to get you to do the things I think that you should do. Sometimes we pull verses out of context. No, they're not the way that, that, that God had intended them. And people do it all the time. They'll do it to control their spouse because they want their spouse to spend money a certain way or regarding sex or friendships or how they spend their time or their time together or apart. Siblings do it. Pastors do it. Uh, Another one is extreme intolerance. And this is where people try to make you feel like, uh, like, you know, they're basically saying you hate God. And they wear signs, but not necessarily, they can be figurative signs, not just literal signs. And they're judgmental, they're critical, legalistic, they're very demeaning. And needless to say, this is rooted in fear and in ignorance. And it ends up separating people, making people feel isolated, not pulling them together. And then the addiction to religious highs, kind of the praise hallelujah, the adrenaline. Of, and there's a lot of people that have this, this, this issue. I mean, that's part of the reason they go from church to church. They're always looking for, for the, the, the spiritual high, the religious high. Where, where is it happening now? And uh, they're, they're in the pursuit. And it's this event, that church. And, and, and if it's not happening, they try to hype and manufacture it. They've got to have this because it's, it's, a, it's a problem. It's a problem because anything in life has its, 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 its ups and its downs. Healthy things go up and down. If you look, that's the way everything is. There's highs and there's lows. That's part of living out life. But if you're addicted to this, you're always looking for it. Now, let me just say, as we talk about uh, this issue of toxicity within, within the church, uh, actually in any organization, that's, people don't like to talk about things that are toxic. Maybe you know that. I mean, there, there's kind of this, this unwritten code, don't talk about it, especially if you were raised uh, in a, an abusive home, an alcoholic home, a dysfunctional home. There's this unwritten code. We don't talk about stuff like that. Uh, those things are in the closet. And when guests come, we all put on our, our fake, you know, faces. And, and organizations do that. Homes do that. Churches do that. And just because you're a large church doesn't mean that you're healthy. And if you're a small church, it doesn't mean you're healthy. You're healthy if you're healthy. It has nothing to do with size. And health is what we're talking about. But to get there, sometimes you have to 
cover some uncomfortable things. And so for some of you, this might be way outside of your comfort zone. Uh, and you're saying, hey, down deep, there's like this buzzer going, don't talk about this. This is our, this is our dark secret. But that doesn't lead to health. When we're toxic like that and we, and we allow that to go on, it just makes us sick. It makes our organization sick. Toxic faith problems, let's look at some of those. One is this false teachers. False teachers, people that are in a teaching position, not just a pastor. You can be a teacher in your own home. Uh, you can be a teacher uh, at your workplace. But when we have a teach, when we're teaching uh, to make sure and teach uh, not falsely, they, it says, uh, here's Jesus. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. So he's talking about this burden, this uh, unbearable religious demand. And so it's, what it does is there's the false teachings that Jesus is talking about, stuff that brings us bondage, not freedom. And it, it causes us to uh, feel like, we're, you know, it, it, when people try to control us and push us and demand us, the, fa- the, the favorite is through guilt and shame. And it is an inaccurate viewpoint of Jesus. It's an inaccurate caricature of who Christ is. And so that's why Jesus comes at it, says, hey, that, that's, those are, that's, that's not right. He goes, they are hypocrites who shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Talking about, he says, these are misguided paths. And the motive is often either for power, for control, for greed, for sexual gratification, all kinds of reasons. And they put burdens on people. And as I said, it happens not just in churches, but in homes. Also, you have toxic churches where there's this, um, this culture that gets created. Uh, the leaders play a role. Everybody plays a role. And it's this idea that there's this, uh, you know, we're going to fake it because, it, you know, what's really true about us doesn't look too good. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be false in our in our in in the way we in the way we communicate to other people, and that doesn't honor God. The Bible says they offered superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. Superficial. In other words, sometimes we reduce Christianity like there's a quick fix for everything. There's an instant solution. You're going through that problem. <laughs> Lucky I'm here. I've got a verse for you. You know. <laughs> And that verse will solve your problem. And in fact, if you're walking around with a problem that's unsolved, that's you are the problem. You know, they say, have you, have you ever heard that phrase? They say, you know, it's better to not know how sausage is made. <laughs> Just eat it, right? Don't ask questions. You might not like what you find out. Well, <laughs> organizations can be like that. And churches are not insulated from that. So we're kind of talking today about how church sausage is made, you know? Instead of just saying, just eat it, you better like it, don't complain. No, we're going to talk about what's in church sausage. And maybe, maybe some of that shouldn't be there. And if it is there, let's do our part to root it out. So here's some rules of toxic church cultures. One is, is the truly faithful don't have problems. That's the state. If you're really faithful, if you have faith, you don't have problems because you, you're by his stripes, you're a heel, baby. That's all there is to it. 
You know, so you don't need freedom. You don't, you don't need healing. You've, you've been healed and you're healing others. And so you can forgive everybody for anything, no matter what they do instantly. And all problems, you know, they're just from sin and weakness and lack of faith. But see, this ignores the fact that we live in a fallen world. And that sometimes we have problems in our lives because somebody else's sin. We're not the problem. Somebody sinned against us. That is an issue. That is a real thing, you know. People sin against us. There's original sin the Bible talks about. Then if you don't, if you do have that problem, at least you could do is act like you don't have a problem. Just fake it, right? Because the image of the leader and the image of the church is all important. And we lift that up above the person, it becomes protect the organization. And so confessions, testimonials where people are talking about how they're still working through issues. There's an ongoing struggle. They love the Lord, but there's an ongoing struggle in their life. That's not like kosher. Like, nah, we don't really want that here. And it actually causes people to fall away from their faith because there's an unrealistic expectation about what it means to ask Christ into your life. Next, if you're not willing to fake it, it would really be best if you just didn't show up. (laughs) This happens all the time. Because that's the power of culture. You start sharing and eyes are rolling. And I mean, they're just kind of like, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. And so if you're struggling with sickness or illness, it's just like, ah, you're making me feel uncomfortable. And then there's this, this, uh, this uh, value that's kind of like, you're a second-class Christian. You really haven't, you're not enlightened yet. You've got issues. But the truth is, churches that embrace that view, they're the ones with the issues. Because the tr- we are all sick whether you recognize it or not. Whether it's super visible. Some people have more visibility with their sickness and their illness. But we're all sick. We're all walking toward health and Christ is helping us. If you do show up with your problem, you should do so with great shame because you are making us look bad. Shame on you. And so hurting people stop showing up And so toxic churches actually end up doing the very opposite of what they were intended to do, which is bring healing and bring community. Instead, they leave people in extreme pain with no hope. False teachers, toxic churches, and foolish beliefs. That's what we end up with. Says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies or high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So he says, hey, there's, there's empty philosophies. You know, those become burdensome. They're packaged like this is an enlightened way to go, but they become burdensome and you end up loaded down. I read about this missionary in the Andes. He was driving his pickup truck to the city 
And he saw this lady who was all burdened down. She was walking to the city to sell her stuff. And she, but she had all these goods on her back and she was all burned down. So he pulls over. He says, hey, I'll give you a ride if you want. She jumps in. As he's driving, he looks in his rear view mirror and notices she still has all that stuff on her back. And she's still like got all the weight on it. And you know, that is a good symbol of the way sometimes we are with Christ. We hear about Jesus and we jump into Jesus's truck but we still have our weight. We still have all the burden. And that burden, it comes from misguided beliefs, foolish beliefs, common foolish beliefs. Is when tragedy strikes, true believers should have a real peace about it all. No matter how bad it is, a horrific tragedy, you lose a loved one, there's some natural disaster, there's the Ukraine atrocities. Doesn't matter what it is, you should always be happy about it because you have... Uh, this instant gratitude and, and peace. And the truth is, when we go through tragedy, it's a difficult process. There's a process that we go through. It's part of the way we're wired, and it's okay. Many of you know about Bethany Hamilton. She lost an arm in the 2003 Tiger Shark Attack. Of course, there was a movie made about her life, Soul Surfer. But she has, I love that movie, it's, and and. It talks about her struggle with, hey, how, how does this all work? The tragedy that I have, I've lost an arm for good, and I'm a Christian, and she processes that. And actually, she ends up speaking, she spoke all over the world because she brings hope. Now, if you look at Jesus, he was, the Bible refers to him as a man of sorrows. He experienced the bitterness of grief, anguish. He was not always at peace. There was a peace that was set before him, Hebrew says. But in the midst of it, he didn't have, he wasn't full of joy, full of peace. And those, he experienced the pain of living and human emotion. So we don't have to be fake. And unfortunately, that message that you should be immediately happy, immediately joyful, you shouldn't have to have any, no matter what tragedy, leaves people with ungrieved losses and gaping wounds in their life. It's an unrealistic expectation. If you have faith, then you will be healed or someone that you're praying for will be healed. Now, I've been healed many times. And um, I love to, to, to pray for people. God, God has used me and others to bring healing. But, you know, there's some people that are not, actually most people end up not getting healed. It doesn't stop me from praying. I, and I certainly wish it was different than that. But I'm not in charge. All I do is just pray. And then God sometimes breaks in and people get healed. But, you know, that's a sad burden, a burden to carry as a parent and your kid is sick, and you want them healed, and you end up not receiving healing this side of eternity. That, that, that's a burden that a shaming, toxic church can put on somebody. And that is not the heart of God. There is faith in the role of healing. But there's many reasons why people are not healed. It's not just lack of faith. That is one. But there's many reasons. Many reasons. Joni Erickson Tata, many of you remember her, she was in a diving accident, broke her neck, paralyzed from the neck down. And she's been able to write books uh, and paint, as you can see. Uh, she has spoken all over the world. 
She talks about one time she was in a church and a pastor came up and said, she's in her wheelchair. He goes, if you had faith, you'd get up and walk right now. And she said to him, she goes, it actually takes more faith for me to look and smile at you right now than to walk. (laughs) Pretty accurate, pretty accurate. Now, you know, in our church, we have a bias towards reality. We love the Lord, but we believe it's better to be truthful and boring than spectacular and inaccurate. If it's happened, it's happened. If not, let's keep praying towards it. If God's told you, hey, that's, you don't need to pray about it like he did uh, to Paul, said that's a thorn you're going to stay with, then you move with that. But we're not gonna, we don't want to get into the toxic stuff that just shames people and makes people feel bad. God is going to provide me with a perfect mate. This is common with singles. In fact, let's be honest. It's common with married people. I missed it. How did I end up where I'm at? I don't have my perfect mate I was expecting. Well, uh, there is no perfect mate. There's a lot of great partners, though. Now, sometimes people think that all I have to do is just wait, and God will bring me this perfect mate. You know, but think about it. That doesn't really make sense. You know, it's kind of like this, this idea of just don't date, just wait. But if you, if you apply that same rationale to, you know, like getting into a college, would you expect, I'm not going to apply. They're just going to show, you get, and you're expecting a letter. We know you didn't apply, but we just know you're amazing. So you can come to our school whenever you want. You wouldn't approach a job that way, right? Somebody is knocking on your door. I know you didn't apply for this job. It's great salary and you're perfect fit. You're the one. I mean, we wouldn't apply that to anything else. So why would we apply that to, you know, a future partner? It doesn't make any sense. So what does it mean? There's, and, and sometimes people think, oh, yeah, there's this one person. And they're my perf- they're my soulmate, right? They're my they're the perfect person for me. What if that person's like hit by a Mack truck? You're you're toast, you know, right? You're out of luck. Now, the good news is that's not true. There's plenty of people that would be a good partner for you. Now, they might not have the kind of money you were hoping. They might not have the looks that you see on TV, but it doesn't mean that they can't be a good partner for you. Foolish beliefs, toxic churches, false teachers. What is the solution? Well, really, it comes down to just looking towards Jesus. More Jesus and less religion. It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You free yourself from those. Can you get sucked back into it? You certainly can. That's what the book of Galatians is about. As Christians had gotten free, and they just get sucked right back into it again. And so we, we want to identify it. Hey, we don't want to be practicing toxic faith. We want healthy faith. What does that look like? Well, characteristics of healthy faith is you're focused on God and not just a person. God is more than just benefits, more than just blessings. I was talking to somebody yesterday at our Saturday morning prayer. We do corporate prayer uh, here at our church at 9 a.m., 9 to 10, every Saturday. I love that. God moves in great ways. I was talking to one of the guys there, and he, that's when he came up and just said the same thing. 
I didn't tell him what I was speaking on, but he just said, you know, what I'm discovering is, is how much I can just connect with God. I can connect with Jesus without being all focused on, you know, gimme, 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 the blessings, the blessings. A consumer standpoint, that causes an undue hardship on your life and really keeps you from having the kind of relationship with, with God that he wants to have with you. Because sometimes we don't get what we, what we think what, that we deserve. Also, we don't just follow a person. That's why when pastors fall and different people fall, people get so unnerved. Like, how could this happen? Uh, pastors are people too. Pastors are people too. It's, it's, you know, it might even be harder. I don't know. I doubt it. I think we're all in. I think, you know, it, it doesn't make even sense to compare, as the Bible talks about, because we're all on a race to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross and follow him. Uh, that sounds like an odd race to be running to. So uh, to compare ourselves makes no sense whatsoever. It's about following Christ. Look at what Jesus, what, what the Hebrew says about following Jesus. Is, is let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and protector of our faith. You don't have to go through somebody. Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. And recognizing that and believing that is the pathway to having this vibrant relationship with Christ. Not just being, and that'll help you to be less demanding on other people. Because if we don't follow Christ like this, we're going to end up having some of these relational insanity moments where we're demanding people to be, you know, to meet needs that really God wants to meet. You know, there's a study that shows that if you read some of the Bible, four weeks, four days out of seven, four days out of, out of your week, that God does some incredible character development in your life. It's interesting that three times didn't really make, there wasn't a big statistical change. But four times or more is, is kind of seems to be the threshold. And so if you want to start seeing uh, God at work in your life in a powerful way, integrate that into your life, starting to read the Bible more. Then being loving. So you, see, if you're not loving, the Bible says, really, you're missing the whole thing. You're, he says, you're nothing. He says, but if a person isn't loving and kind, it shows that he doesn't even know God. For God is love. First Corinthians tells us that, that without love, you're just a clanging Symbol. The greatest commandment that Jesus says, he says, is all about love. Loving God, loving other people. And so when we love, we serve. And we do it with the right motive. We become less demanding, less pushy, less pressuring. Making faith personal and not just a private thing. Now here's what I mean by that. Because sometimes people will say, uh, oh yeah, my, my faith is private. And they, they don't want to talk about it. But really what they mean is, is I, don't, I don't have a faith and I want you to leave me alone. I don't really believe in God. Uh, and sometimes, and, and it can be misunderstood. So it's a personal thing, but it's not private. We're, Jesus talks about shouting it from the rooftops. And so again, it's not about rules and, 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 and rituals and those kinds of things. The Bible says we were made in, our, in his image. We were made in God's image so that we could have a relationship with God. That's how he created us so that we could connect with him. 
The Bible says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and humankind, mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. That's the mediator. That's who you need in your life that, to help you connect with God. And when you start to connect with God and let his love pour into your life, it transfers to your relationships. You're able to serve. You're able to love. You're able to forgive. You're able to be patient. You're able to pray for them even when they irritate you. All kinds of amazing things happen. And then also be respectful of others is a characteristic of healthy faith. Be respectful of others. The Bible says, so let's agree to use all of our energy to getting along with each other. Help others by encouraging them. Encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. So we don't try to control people. Most of us have certain levels of control issues, putting those down and say, I want to help you to experience freedom. I want to do it through encouragement. Encouragement. You know, I know that there's some differences, but people that train animals, whether they're at SeaWorld or, or at, you know, wherever they train animals, they, they don't use negative reinforcement. They get, and these animals can do all these incredible feats. And it's all through positive. For some of us, we could take a, a chapter out of that playbook and try, and, and the people that we want to influence, try to influence them and just think to yourself, I'm going to do it solely through positive reinforcement. There's something pow- powerful that happens with that. But the truth is when we use shaming and guilt and those toxic things, those just create sick relationships and sick organizations, sick churches for sure. And then be in community. It's one thing to go to church, to attend church. It's another thing to be a part of church. That you're part of a small group. And by the way, we're in between small group semesters. So some of you, uh, God wants you to be a small group leader. Maybe you've never done it before. This is your moment to, to step out. Well, on our, on our website, you can go there on small groups, vineyard.com at vineyardchurch.com and go to small groups. It'll, there's, a, there's a way for you to, we, we're gonna train you, we wanna support you or just go to their information desk, they'll help you as well. Also, being part of the dream team where you're part of helping and serving other people in our community, in our world, really. As, as you come and you go through growth track and you, and you start to make an eternal difference in people's lives, one of the things you can do is come to First Wednesday. I mentioned it earlier. The first Wednesday of every month, we have a a service here. And uh, it's a great time to just input some some spiritual truths and encouraging words into your life with teaching and communion and and rich worship. We have an incredible kids program. Be open to receive support. Be involved in a faith community. Look what, I love this. It says, this is not the time. You know what time he's talking about? Well, this was written when Nero, the emperor, the Roman emperor Nero was persecuting Christians. And some of them were not going to in-person services because if they went to an in-person service, he would have their soldiers grab them and then he would either, he had three th- his favorites. You'd be torn apart by dogs. You'd be crucified or you'd be lit on fire to brighten his garden parties. So it discouraged church attendance. I mean, right? I mean, you'd think, well, 
Those three options aren't the best. What are, we, are, we, are we persecuting people today for in-person services? I think so. I think so. I think that the persecution is in the... It's toxic. Since we're talking about toxicity and shaming. It's shaming saying you're contributing to a communicable disease. You're killing people and or, and or you're an ignoramus who knows nothing about science. Shame on you. That's a powerful, powerful form of persecution. The result's the same, though. Causes you to pull away and neglect meeting together. The result's are the same. As some have formed the habit of doing. So what's the result? How do we change that? What's really counterculture? It's, it's kind of remarkable if you think about it, what he recommended to those who are facing being torn apart by dogs, and really would be the advice today for those who are being shamed for coming to an in-person service. He says, in fact, we should come together, what? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, 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 in your face. I'm, I don't care about those dogs and being lit on fire because if that happens, I go, I'm, I know my place in, in, in Christ. God's going to protect me. I'm not going to be shamed. I'm not going to be persecuted. Eager to encourage and, and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day that's dawning. So each one of us has to decide, what is my part? How can I help bring health, expose toxic cultures? If I'm part of the problem, I want to do what I need to do to root that out of my life. Are you, this is, kind of a poignant question. Are you making, through your faith, making somebody else's life crazy? We tend to always interpret it the other way. Like, yeah, I got plenty of crazy makers. Whoa. whoa. What if that person's thinking of you? Are you doing it? Why not step away from some of the stuff that you've been doing? Say, I want to love like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. You know, when we follow Christ, like I said, we bring these problems with us. In fact, actually, I've discovered I had more problems. I thought I was doing better until I came to Christ. Then the Holy Spirit starts showing me stuff, and I go, man, I'm really messed up. I know all kinds of issues going on here. We can do it. We can pursue health together. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's counterculture, but let's make it our culture where we say no to toxic forms of faith. Yes to healthy relationships with God and with others. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here what you're doing for those who are participating online. Lord, I thank you for each heart, each soul. Lord, that you are the one that we want to pursue and look towards. Lord, I pray for freedom to be ourselves. We don't have to impress you, and we certainly don't have to impress others. We're acceptable in your sight. 
We don't have to earn your approval. Would you say that? Say, God, I don't need to control others. I'm going to lay that burden down. You say, God, help me to embrace the highs and the lows of my faith walk. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to cover up. I don't have to wear a mask. I'm among fellow strugglers. My friend, it's okay for you to hurt if that's where you're at. It's okay. Maybe you have an ungrieved loss because you weren't allowed that opportunity. I invite you, feel free to step into that. Don't get stuck back there. None of us, we don't have it all figured out. cover up your feelings with religious cliches. Let's just be honest about how we're doing, what we're going through. We don't have to focus on the end goal of always being happy. Sometimes life just isn't that way, and that's okay. That's what it means to abandon toxic faith. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. Let us be the church that's supposed to be the church. That's supposed to invite and others and be inclusive and be a place where people can find and walk out their healing. I'd like to invite you, if you have never put your faith in Christ, we talked about what that looks like. Not other people. Jesus said he's the one mediator. If you've never put your faith in Christ, then I invite you to do that with me right where you're at. Just I'm going to invite, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This is your moment to say yes to God. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. So just right where you're at, you can just follow me in prayer. But let me know. I want, if with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you're saying, I want to pray that prayer. I want to come to Christ and have him fill me up and give me a healthy faith to walk in. I want you just to let me know just right where you're at. You can just put your hand up. Just say, Andy, I'm going to pray with you. Okay? Yep. Who else? This is your moment. Okay. Okay, you can put your hand down. Pray with us. Pray, pray, pray with me right now. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus not only to die for me, but to let me experience freedom. You say, God, I want to step away from the world's way of doing things and follow you. I want to get involved in a faith community. I want to start reading the Bible regularly. I want to sense your presence. 
Would you say, God, cleanse me down on my soul. Free me from the never-ending guilt and the voices of guilt and shame that come and still come from people that have done that in the past. And I still, I still hear it. And it robs me of the joy. Say, God, help me to set that aside, to take that burden and put it down. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give a warm, heartfelt, supporting clap just to say we love you. You are in the right place. God is working in your life just like he's working in mine. I love the Lord. I love how much he does a great work when we just kind of, you know, give in to him, surrender, say, God, not my way, but your way. Jesus had to do that as well. Well, 